You're not in this story. Yeah, well, we're making it up as we go. Welcome to Making It Up As We Go, a Destiel fan fiction anthology podcast. We're making it up as we go. I'm your host and reader, Nerdy Nerdenstein, but you can call me Katie. The story is ours now. You can't have it back. Please be warned that this podcast can and will depict explicit sexual content and is not intended for young audiences. Hello, and welcome to Episode 3. Today, I will be reading Sympathy for the Devil's Kid, written by Gertie Crane. If you are able, please go to the author's AO3 story and give comments and kudos to them for sharing this with us. The link is in the show notes. Today's fic is rated general audiences, and there are no pertinent tags. But as always, a full listing of the tags is in the show notes. This will also be posted on AO3 as a podfic under my username, and the link will be in the show notes as well. Sympathy for the Devil's Kid Written by Gertie Crane Read for you by Nerdy Nerdenstein Summary Cass resurrected a few hours ago. It was a wonderful reunion. Now, Jack is innocently filling Cass in on Dean's A-plus nurturing in his absence. Cass is... not pleased. Chapter 1 At this point, it was starting to seem pathetic. Dean shook his head. A large trash bag was already heavy with the refuse that had accumulated in his normally well-kept bedroom. He wished it was mostly beer bottles adding to the excessive weight of the bag, but there'd been at least ten half-full containers of Chinese takeout stacked along the shelf behind his bed. One of them had been there for a very long time. A burst of fruit flies emerged from it when he tossed it in. He turned his head away and quickly tied the bag closed, then tossed it toward the door. He realized as he began filling a new one with used napkins, empty crab rangoon bags, and approximately 10,000 tiny packets of various sauces that he'd only managed to clear one quarter of the room. He couldn't even remember what might be awaiting him on the other side of the bed, and he wasn't looking forward to finding out. It wasn't the filth that was unsettling. These nasty little boxes of rot 
had nothing to do on monster guts or decomposing corpses. What bothered him was how it contrasted to the neat stack of research files on his clean desk and the duffel full of freshly oiled and assembled weapons, ready to grab and go. Mission? 100%. Everything else? Who cares? It was sobering. He now understood why Cass had looked at him the way he had when they'd first seen each other six hours ago. After he'd allowed Dean to hug him within an inch of his newly resurrected life, he'd pulled back and gotten a really good look at him. And then the sappy bastard had given him the worst possible expression he had in his entire way-too-honest arsenal. The I'm-so-sorry-I-failed-you-and-I-would-do-anything-to-fix-it face combined with the I-know-exactly-who-you-are-and-I-love-you-anyway face. It was horrible. Dean sobbed right there in the middle of the parking lot of the taco stand, in front of his brother, 30 strangers, and the Antichrist. That look, though, had reminded him of how Cass would respond to the evidence that his friend had completely crashed and burned without him. Dean couldn't do that to him. He needed to get his shit together before Cass and Sam and Jack got back from their grocery run. He refocused his efforts on the garbage collecting and slowly worked his way around the bed toward the dreaded other side. When he got there, he winced. It was worse than he'd feared. His phone buzzed with Sam's text alert. He looked over at it, but didn't move to get it. He had his hands full of things that he didn't want to think about. He'd get the message in a minute. The phone buzzed again. And again. Dean started to look for something to wipe his hands on, and the phone buzzed a fourth time. At this point, he suspected it was important, so he settled for wiping them on a dirty pillowcase and hustled to get the phone. We have a problem. Jack just told Cass you tried to shoot him. He is super pissed. Too quiet. You need to hide until he cools off. Not a joke. The phone rang. It was Sam. He told him what? Dean began. Shut up and listen. He just teleported. You need to hide. Now. We're on our way. Hang on. He's... Poughkeepsie. Hide. Shit. He hung up and leapt over the first garbage bag, headed for the door of his room. He'd just stepped into the hallway when he heard the outer door of the bunker loudly slam and the key activating the lock on the inner door. Dean broke into a full run, navigating the maze of corridors through multiple junctions, heading toward the stairwell to the lower level. He had no idea where he'd hide down there. He'd figure it out when he got there. Right now, he just needed to get the hell away from anywhere he'd usually hang out. He was too far from the entrance to hear the inner door open and close, but he knew Cass was inside when he heard the hissing roar of wind. It was moving with terrifying speed from the war room, through and around the kitchen, and into the main corridor. A split second of clarity had him wondering why he was running from his best friend at all, but that quickly vanished. Dean could track where the wind was and where it was headed by the sound alone. The path Cass was taking wasn't chaotic. 
and the wind wasn't dispersing down the side passages as it went. It was contained, moving in a methodical pattern, and heading straight for the back corridor. Cass was hunting him. He had less than three seconds before the seraph would appear somewhere in this hallway, and he needed to be hidden within the stairwell when he did. With any luck, Cass would pass by and continue the search on the main floor first. Otherwise, who was he kidding? There was no otherwise. There was no way this was going to end well. All he could do now was stay hidden long enough for Cass to let go of some of the rage and hope the ass-beating he eventually took wouldn't be too severe. The howling wind reached the T-junction leading to the back corridor right as Dean dove into the stairwell. He wedged himself into the corner just inside the door and froze, holding his breath through an act of sheer will. The wind screamed past the stairwell and continued down the corridor, turning the corner at the far end. Dean let himself breathe again and dropped his head back against the wall. He listened to the wind, mentally mapping the direction of the movement and hoping Cass wouldn't backtrack just yet. He needed to let him get far enough away for Dean to make another mad dash back to his bedroom. It only now occurred to him that his room was probably the safest place, considering the fresh warding he'd placed along the inner door frame and around the air vents. It had been effective at keeping Jack out, which was its purpose. The kid hadn't been able to enter even when the door was wide open. That had given Dean at least a small sense of security in his own home. Once again, though, he was relying on luck and guessing. That was never good. It was entirely possible that Jack hadn't been able to get in because he didn't have enough knowledge or experience to override the warding. Cass, though, was a smart son of a bitch, with a bazillion years of know-how up his sleeve. And he was back to full power. He might stroll right through. That warding was the only real chance Dean had, though. He knew he needed to try. He waited a few more seconds, listening for the wind to begin echoing in the stairwell at the other end of the sublevel. It would take Cass longer to get back to Dean's room from that spot than almost anywhere else. He'd barely gotten that idea formed before the sound was where it needed to be. Damn, he's fast, Dean thought, and barreled out of the stairwell, down the back passage and through the first T-junction. He reached the second junction and heard Cass emerge from the stairwell he'd just been in. He was too close. He'd catch him in about five seconds. Dean was ten seconds from his room. Fuck, fuck, fuck he muttered as he scrambled to get traction on the slick floors while still running in silent mode. To his amazement, he reached his room and dove through the entrance, spinning on his heel and closing the door as fast as he could without making a sound. The next thirty seconds were horrifying. He wasn't sure what he was hearing at first, but then it became very obvious. There was no more wind, but every five or six seconds, a series of loud bangs would echo through the bunker. 
He recognized the sound as doors being thrown open hard enough to slam into the walls next to their frames. All of the sounds came from the same general area each time, and with each successive set of bangs, they got louder and closer. Dean closed his eyes and tried not to let it freak him out. He already had the mental image of a full-powered, an extremely pissed-off Castiel marching down each corridor of the bunker, waving his hand in front of him and causing every door along his route to slam open, whether it was locked or not. He opened his eyes and stared with sincere hope at the little sigils painted on the frame of his simple, old, lockless wooden door. Eventually, the bangs came from the hallway outside his room and the adjoining passage, His door rattled on its hinges, but remained closed. He held his breath. There was a gust of wind, and Dean noticed the air vent in his door got just a little darker. He took a step back so he could look through the grate and saw two legs clad in dark fabric and cheap boots. The legs weren't moving. The door rattled in its frame again, this time much harder and Dean heard a few small cracks as the panels and rails in the old door flexed their joints. The rattling stopped. Silence. Dean stopped trying to stifle the sound of his own breath. The game was up. Cass knew he was in there, and he knew if he just stood there, he could make Dean sweat. Devious bastard. Eventually, The legs moved, and the boots pointed directly at the door. Dean. Dean instinctively took a half-step backwards and quietly cleared his throat. Uh, Hey, Cass. The pause that followed was worse than before. Dean listened closely, waiting for some further indication of his friend's current mood. Remove the warding. Yeah, that, um, kind of seems like a bad idea right now. He cut himself off when a burst of wind erupted outside the door. The shadows of Cass's legs vanished. It took less than three seconds for Cass to return. The wind rattled the wooden door violently, and Dean wondered how it was staying closed at all. The sigils he'd used must be even more powerful than he'd thought. Something metal clanked down onto the hallway floor and broke his train of thought. He couldn't see what it was, but it sounded extremely familiar, and his mind scrambled to place it. He heard crinkling paper, something being shaken, jar lids popping open. Guess, Dean asked. He tried to keep his voice sounding calm and neutral hoping he could start talking his friend down. He opened his mouth to continue, but was cut off by several loud clacks, like rocks being thrown onto sheet metal. Myrrh. Clumps of myrrh. Cass had the brass spell bowl. Shit, Dean thought. I knew it, smart son of a bitch. Cass's voice was smooth and controlled. 
but Dean could still hear his own mortality in every syllable. You have three griffin feathers left in your collection. I'm holding one of them. If you don't want me to waste it on this, remove the warding. Otherwise, back up and take cover. You have to the count of three. One. Dean barely had a reply formed when he heard, Two. Okay, okay, Dean shouted. Just hang on. Dean pulled the small knife out of his ankle holster and scratched away a single sigil. He started to scratch away the next one down, but stopped when he realized the door was gone. It wasn't opened or exploded or destroyed in a burst of holy fire or sparkles or whatever. It just wasn't there anymore. Dean very tentatively let his gaze slide away from the doorframe to look through the gaping hole that had replaced his only source of cover. Cass was less than a foot away. In that moment, Dean fully understood why small animals freeze under a predator's glare. He recognized the look on his friend's face. It had been aimed his way once before, in a dark alley where Cass had very clearly expressed his dismay at Dean's decision to say yes to Michael. This time, Cass's face was better lit. That was the only difference. The angel's eyes darted to the knife in Dean's hand. It, too, disappeared. There was a brief moment in which they both mentally assessed their options. Dean was about to use a very weak wisecrack as a preemptive strike towards peace. But Cass saw the change in his expression and that was it. Dean felt himself being spun out of his room and shoved into the opposite wall faster than his eyes could track the movement. His lungs emptied in a single huff. Chapter 2 Dean swallowed. Cass, enough, Cass barked. The flashback of the alley became even more vivid. Cass was snarling, full kill face, and pressed close enough for Dean to feel the angel's breath when he spoke. You have said enough. Cass shoved him a little harder into the wall. Dean forced himself to ignore the flying spittle. Jack remembers all of it. He showed me. You tried to shoot an infant. He was full grown. Dean tried to protest. Cass cut him off. He was ten minutes old. He knew nothing other than Kelly and me. He didn't even know what I looked like. He thought Sam was me. But you know who he did know, Dean? You. Dean stopped struggling. 
you were the one I thought of, Cass said with an extra shove for punctuation. You raising Sam. You didn't know how, but you did it anyway. And those thoughts, Jack felt them, saw them. You were the example, and you rejected him. Cass pulled back an inch or so, taking Dean with him and thudding him back against the wall. You scorned him, thud, threatened to kill him. Cass jerked him sideways and tossed him a couple of feet down the corridor. Dean stumbled badly but managed to stay on his feet. He watched warily as his friend struggled to contain himself. He thinks he's a monster. Hopeless. Not even worth trying to save. Cass took a step toward him and Dean raised his hands in surrender, trying to dissuade him. Cass stopped, still staring at him, but his expression became much more frustrated and sad. How could you be that cruel? Cass sighed in disgust and dropped his gaze. They both just stood there, and Dean wondered if he should say what he was thinking, whether it would matter or if it would just make this worse. Then the angel's gaze settled on Dean's room. Cass took a couple of slow steps towards the open doorway, surveying the mess in silence. Dean turned away. It had been bad enough when he'd been alone in there. No way did he want to see Cass absorb it in real time. But then Cass sighed, and Dean looked back to see him slip his hands into his coat pockets and lower his head. It hurt, watching Cass turn all of it back on himself. That was exactly what Dean had tried to avoid. He felt his own protective instincts flaring. None of this was Cass's fault. He did something to you, got in your head. Dean began, only a little hesitant. He was finding his own anger difficult to contain now. He manipulated you. He tricked you. He got you killed. Cass huffed and looked over at him. He didn't manipulate me. I chose to protect both him and Kelly of my own free will. He lied to you, Dean barked, taking a couple of steps forward. Made all those promises. Got you to think he'd be good and helpful. Told you he'd make the world paradise. That's the same damn line of bullshit Lucifer's been laying out there since forever. What was I supposed to think? Cass squinted briefly before the anger returned to his face. Exactly how gullible do you think I am? Cass turned fully to face his friend once again. I know you see me as naive, a terrible judge of character. You question my decisions, and maybe I deserve that. But I am still a seraph. I was there when Lucifer and his followers rebelled. This isn't just lore for me. I lived it. Do you honestly think I wouldn't recognize one of my brother's lies? Wouldn't immediately be suspicious? Then what the hell, Cass? You'd have to have known that that was a pipe dream. Of course I did, Cass barked. Dean blinked at him. This conversation was becoming bizarrely circular. Cass sighed heavily. 
when Jack showed me a vision of the future, what he wanted to create. I knew it was my own deepest wish being mirrored back to me. Jack saw what I wanted most and he imitated it, just as a child imitates the sounds his parents make or copies what he sees them do. It's not manipulation. The child is learning, patterning. I knew then there was hope for him, for all of us. That doesn't prove he's good, Dean argued. No, it proved he was teachable, moldable, human, Cass said much softer than before. He was a blank slate. Learning at an exponential rate, yes, but not inherently evil. Just a child who'd need love and training and patience and protection. At that, Dean could feel the fight leaving him. He braced for what was coming. Cass was gearing up for a whammy. He almost interrupted, but Cass didn't give him a chance. But most of all, he'd need a wise and good parent. And even though I didn't feel I was either of those things, I made the decision to be that for him anyway. Because he needed me. A tiny smile tugged at the corner of his mouth. Just as you did when Sam needed you. And there it was. Fuck. Dean closed his eyes. Luckily, the moment didn't last. Cass wasn't done. I knew you feared him, and I knew you didn't trust my judgment. But it never occurred to me that I might have to convince you to be kind to a child. Chapter 3 That's not fair, Dean said, finally able to open his eyes and look at his friend. No, Dean, what you did to Jack, that wasn't fair. I tried to prepare him, in case I didn't survive. I impressed my feelings for you on his grace. I told him, Dean is my friend. He's good. He'll tell you the truth. He'll treat you fairly. And if you fail, he'll help you get back up. He'll make mistakes, but he'll always try to do the right thing. You can trust him in everything. I told him that, Dean. Well, you shouldn't have told him that, Dean barked. That's not on me. I didn't sign up for this. Cass looked stunned. What happened to you? Life. Cass's voice rang out clearly in Dean's mind. He flinched, recalling the conversation years ago, when he'd asked that same question of an alternate version of Cass. 
a version so broken and hopeless, Dean had felt like he was talking to a stranger. Cass's flippant, bitter response still haunted Dean. It had been the moment he'd realized just how fragile and human Cass really was underneath all that power, and how far the angel could fall. Dean watched as the same mix of shock, pain, and disillusionment he'd felt back then rolled across Cass's face. He dropped his gaze. Don't look at me like that, Dean said at a much lower volume. Cass slumped, still staring at Dean. Eventually, he too looked away and turned back toward Dean's room. Jack knew you as good and honest. He believed everything you said. Cass trailed off. He spent a few moments surveying the wreckage of the bedroom again. I see now, losing your mother and being handed another child to raise. It was too much. He bowed his head. Perhaps it still is. The way Cass said it, the slight turn further away, the regret and worse the resignation in his voice made Dean's blood run cold. No. Dean took quick steps towards the angel. Don't even think about it. Cass turned further still, and Dean reached out and grabbed his shoulder, spinning him back around to face him. We'll be fine, Cass said, not meeting Dean's eyes. I'm still prepared to raise him. I'll find a place where he and I... That place is here, right here. Dean's face twisted and he stepped all the way into the angel's space, still gripping him by the shoulder. He fought the urge to grab Cass's other shoulder, too, and shake him until his vessel's teeth rattled. Cass, if you take that kid and split, so help me. I will hunt you down, and I will drag your ass back here and keep a ring of holy oil lit around this entire goddamn bunker for the rest of my fucking life. That got Cass's attention. He still looked dejected, but a tiny spark of hope had returned. Do not leave again, Dean yelled, and the last word came out broken. Tears filled his eyes and spilled over, but he never looked away. I tried. I prayed, Cass, to Chuck, to anyone I thought might hear. I don't know who else. He stopped to swallow and took in a halting breath. I prayed to you over and over, but you, I knew you couldn't hear me. Your wings burned. I know what that means. But I kept talking to you anyway, right to the end. I waited to throw the lighter because I thought maybe. But everybody was gone, Cass. Everybody. He finally lowered his gaze. Dean, Cass whispered. I didn't mean to hurt the kid. Dean continued. I mean, I did. I did mean to. I hated him. I wanted to hate him. I had to. Because if he's evil, then it made sense. He used you and got you killed, and I knew what I needed to do. Then that'd be it. I'd be done. But if he was just a kid? He wiped his face and then looked back up. 
I couldn't do it, Cass. You were gone, and he was there, and I just couldn't see the point of any of it. Not anymore. Cass was silent for an agonizingly long time, while Dean continued to stare expectantly at him. Eventually, Dean dropped his gaze and squeezed his eyes shut. Please say something, he pleaded. Come on, man, I'm standing here saying all this. I feel like an asshole. Cass seemed to snap himself out of whatever had him stuck. He stepped forward and put his arms around Dean, pulling him tight and resting his chin on his friend's shoulder. Dean sank into the hug gratefully and buried his face in Cass's coat. Don't leave, okay? Dean pleaded into the heavy fabric. Stay. He was showing no signs of letting go, so Cass pulled him closer and settled in. I won't leave, Cass murmured. You and Jack, you'll both be safe here. We won't leave, Dean. I'll stay. We'll stay. He patted Dean's back. And we'll all work together from now on. Dean sniffed and pulled Cass much tighter. About time, he grunted. It came out as more of a sob, but it didn't stop him. Dumbass. Cass snorted, then closed his eyes. He, too, tightened his grip. I mean it, Cass said quietly. When we spoke before, I said I'd like for us to be together again. I wasn't lying, Dean. Yeah, I know. Dean whispered, I was trying to protect you. I didn't want to do what I... I know, Cass, Dean said, returning the pats Cass had been giving him. We're good. He sniffed hard again and cleared his throat. You're still a dumbass. Cass snorted again. This time he smiled. Perhaps this evening we can just talk a bit and enjoy each other's company. Maybe the four of us can start over. Yeah, Dean said with a nod. Then tomorrow, when everyone has had some rest, we can start trying to find Mary. There was a momentary pause in Dean's breathing before he nodded again. Sounds good. Cass sighed. I'm glad to hear that. Sam mentioned you were reluctant. You're back now, Dean interrupted. So yeah, we'll find her. Cass's brow furrowed, but he said nothing more about it. They were both silent for a long stretch, neither of them giving any indication that he wanted to let go. I didn't say it back, Dean mumbled into Cass's coat. Cass squinted. Um, you told us you love us. Dean said with a frustrated huff. Cass's frown deepened. I didn't say it back. I should have said it. Cass's expression softened. Oh. It's what messed me up the most, Dean said. His voice was getting more strained with each sentence. I didn't say it back and you were gone. You never heard me say it. Cass sighed. You didn't need to say it. 
Yeah, I did. Dean grunted a little louder. I love you too, okay? I do. I love you too. His voice broke and he tightened his grip. He was definitely crying again. I'm sorry I didn't say it back. He barely managed to blurt out. It's all right. No, it isn't. I should have said it and I didn't. I'm sorry. Cass smiled. Well, then I forgive you. Dean shook, trying to draw in a breath, and Cass began to lightly pat Dean's back, leaning their heads together. Thank you, Dean whispered. Of course. The moment lingered for far longer than either of them would later admit to, but eventually Dean sniffed and shifted his stance a little. He wasn't letting go, but he was getting himself ready to. You're going to make a great dad, Dean said. Cass smiled. Thank you, he said with unfiltered gratitude. That was a very kind thing to say. It's true, Dean said, slowly releasing his hold and pulling back. Cass followed suit. You're going to be awesome. Jack's lucky. Dean went about wiping and pinching and rubbing at his face. trying to get himself cleaned up so he could see and breathe through his nose again. When he finally looked at his friend, his very puffy eyes opened much wider. Are you crying? he blurted. Cass reached up and wiped his face, and then he blushed. I didn't think you did that, Dean said without an ounce of tact. I, um, only ever cried when I didn't have my grace. I'm, um, he wiped his face again and sniffed. This is rather embarrassing. Seriously? Dean deadpanned. He pointed to his own destroyed face with both hands. Cass grinned and then turned away. Jesus, Dean groaned as he rubbed his eyes one last time. I need a beer. Like, now. He reached out, intending to pop his friend on the arm, but changed his mind the moment he made contact. He pulled Cass forward a step and draped his arm over the angel's shoulder, hooking it around the other side of his neck. A quick, affectionate tug got a much bigger smile out of Cass as his face was smushed into Dean's shoulder and chest. You know, screw the beer. Let's hit the hard stuff and get good and drunk, Cass. What do you say? Dean started walking toward the kitchen, dragging Cass along by the head and neck. Cass tucked an arm behind Dean and hugged him around his back. That sounds like a terrible idea, Cass said, as though agreeing. Uh, yeah. Guess we gotta think of the kid now, huh? They better get back with food soon, then, cause I haven't eaten in at least a day. Couple of beers is gonna hit me. You could limit your intake. Dean gestured with his free hand. Yeah, that's not gonna happen. Cass snorted and patted Dean's back again. Dean looked down at him and grinned. Cass grinned back, and Dean kissed the top of his head. Glad you're back, Cass. The end.
Thank you so much for your support. You can contact me on Twitter, Tumblr, or by emailing me at makingitupaswegopod at gmail.com. As always, thank you so much for listening. <laughs>